Backchat. 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 Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Backchat. Backchat. Your alternative to talk back. Yes, indeed, you're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio, the freshest rap of news and current affairs on your radio. You're with Swatha Das, and in the studio today is my beautiful guest host, Shami Subramanian. Hello, Shami. Hey, Aswetha, how are you? you? like seeing the stress I put on your hair? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I'm really proud. I know, uh, you I speak love, that language fluently. <laughs> I love Indian girls on Backchat. <laughs> love having you in the studio today. We actually have a crack of a show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ozpol later on the show. We're going to be speaking to Ash Streeter on the lack of youth and female engagement in Parliament. We'll also be speaking to Nama Carlin, sociologist, writer and academic who's taught at several universities in Australia about the commercialization of universities. Lots of exciting stuff on the show today, so definitely stay tuned. But first, Shami, I have a question for you. If you were to enter into politics, what would be your policies? Oh, I've given this a lot of thought, and I reckon it would be something that encourages and helps mothers, um, new mothers, get back into the workforce in a much uh, more easier way. Like, I think, I think as someone who's now a working professional, who's in their late 20s, I see the sacrifice my mother made leaving the workforce to take care of her kids. Like she has an MBA and two other master's degrees and had to give it all up because she couldn't juggle a full-time job and raising two kids. Um, And that seems like such a sacrifice now as someone who's financially independent. So um, looking at policies that really kind of increase our labor force. Um, sorry, <laughs> I'm going to boycott the show and make this <laughs> the beginning of your prime ministerial run. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. That was very sincere. Thank you for answering that. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I have well, a lot of feelings. <laughs> I love that. Let's go into parliament. I'd love to hear what you guys think. If you were, if you were going to enter into politics, what would be your policies? Text in 0409 to show us all what a beep lying, beep backstabbing, beep treacherous, beep beep she is. Thanks, Colin. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. Oh, Shami, what a week for news. An ex-campaign advisor to President Trump has been sentenced to 14 days in prison for lying to the FBI about Russian intervention in the 2016 U.S. elections. The sexual harassment claims made against Barnaby Joyce were not proven, and ANZ and Commonwealth Bank are increasing their mortgage rates. So I don't know if you were planning to, but don't buy a property after the show. Yeah, you got that? Noted. <laughs> well, what's caught your eye this week? Um... I saw a really great NYT New York Times op-ed about a uh, a an advisor and a senior advisor in the Trump administration talk about how people inside his administration actually understand that Trump is a bit of a liability. And it's like, you know what, guys? We get it. We get he's not that crash hot, but we believe in the Republican agenda overall, and we're going to mitigate that. So I think it's really interesting how there is an ex-campaign advisor who's um, kind of had to lie to the FBI to cover up for Trump. And then there's a whole other people on the inside who understand that Trump isn't all that crash hot and are trying to work around him. So it's just very interesting to see this whole interplay, this weird, uh, this puppet show that's going on. Definitely. I hope that this may inspire some people in Australian politics to perhaps be like, look, we know that we've had a lot of prime ministers, but 
stick with us. We believe in the liberal party's ideology. I don't really know. FBI does not endorse any political party. Oh man, that is actually that was fascinating, um, and I love that honesty. And I wonder, mm. like, who's protecting the sources? Like, I would love to know if that's if this is the beginning of, I guess, maybe a coup, or perhaps like more people a being coup. public a coup. I know you've you've watched the Hunger Games way too much. I don't know. Could there be a leadership spill in America? I. I don't, I don't know if that's the structure of their politics. I, I'm speaking from someone who did social studies in the fourth and fifth grade in California. You that's where the American accent comes accent. from. That's what I was like. You should know, right? I should know. The accent gives expert. you complete expertise on American politics. That's how that works. <laughs> um, you also were mentioning earlier on, um, domestically, there's some interesting news to do with our favorite prime minister. Your favorite prime minister? I, did you say you have the the most handsome prime minister we've had? <laughs> Let's just put that out there. I don't know. Gough Whitlam was also a babe, but <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm Turnbull's son, Alex Turnbull, yes, yes. Um, is a 36 year old banker. He's worked for Goldman Sachs. He has a Harvard degree. Oof. He's I know the white boy you could bring home to mama. I know <laughs> he's married. He's happily married. Um, right. Lives in Singapore, but he's started to use his Twitter uh, account as as a really vocal platform for how he feels about politics now that his dad's no longer in in the public eye as much so, I guess. Um, uh, I guess one of the tweets that really stood out for me was him endorsing Tim Murray, who's the liberal, who's the, sorry, the Labour candidate for Wentworth, which was his father's old seat. So a Ooh. by-election will be in the works and yes. uh, Tim Murray will be the candidate for Labour. And he's kind of just asked his followers to donate to that cause and saying that that's i know and saying that the only wise choice you could make right now is labor um it comes from like a climate change perspective like he's very much an advocate for climate change which is yeah he's he's woke as hell i know i mean he's he's his father without the conservatives telling him what to do pretty much um he also he 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 kind of speaks from a place that makes sense for a lot of australians so he speaks um to to like I don't know about you and but I guess just growing up in the household that I did I found that mortgages paying bills getting your kids to school those things those real life everyday Australian things are what affect people on a daily basis and he seems to understand that even though he came from like you know a relatively um, rich family but this idea that money is what matters at the end of the day and and making sure that the policies around like economics and social policies as well kind of factor that in and aren't completely obtuse and blind to that reality, which is kind of nice. I know that sounded like a lot of words. No, I but love hopefully it. I people mean, got that. We love words on our radio show. Maybe Alex Temple may join politics. I d- ooh, I wonder he, what his policies I, would be. Ooh, I think he I think he plays a better role sitting on the sidelines. On I the sidelines, I think. He, I think Twitter I think he warrior. understands that. Um, and he's also gone on the record. He did an interview with Fairfax a couple weeks ago, saying that he wouldn't ever enter politics. And also, I don't think we want a world of dynasties in Australia. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I'm still endorsing your run. Uh, I want to know. Thank you. If you were going to enter into politics, what would be your policies? Please text in 0409-945-945. The Australian taxpayer even pays for the toilet paper she uses. Does she go down to the chemist to buy the tampons? Or is the Australian taxpayer paying for those as well? Fact chat, your alternative to talk back. Are you a university student or a recent graduate? Why did you make the decision to go to university? Is it because you thought a university education could give you a step into the workplace? 
Or is it because there were subjects you really wanted to study, you wanted to expand your mind? <laughs> Maybe it was a combination of both of those things. But over the last few years, we've seen Australian universities make decisions affecting students and staff all in the name of profit that seems to be pushing the people they actually service by the wayside. Mm. So, the, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, examples of that. We have UNSW moving to a trimester system in 2019. Um, senior universities well first plan to mark graduates on inventiveness. I don't know what that's going to lead to. Um, and a recent New South Wales report found that universities are now receiving a hefty $2.8 billion from international students. But in Germany, you have tuition that's free. And then when international students go to <laughs> learn in Germany, it's like very little, it costs nothing, it's peanuts. And it's, you know, world-class education. Um, so as universities move to a more commercial model, students are treated more and more like commodities, would you say, that help universities make a profit. But why is this the case? Where does this pressure come from? And how are universities' corporate decisions affecting the quality of education students are receiving? In the studio, we have Dr. Nama Carlin, a sociologist, writer, and academic, in to chat to us about how students are affected by the commercialization of universities. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I saw you nodding at some of the things we were mentioning. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get straight into it. So... Oh, just in, in general, mm -hmm. what's been your experience at universities? Like, how have you seen it change? Um, I think the, the the experience of studying at university has uh, changed drastically from when I was doing my undergraduate. I did mine in Australia at a university in Sydney, and it was a much more holistic experience. You could, um, and it, you were encouraged to uh, think for, you know, have have debate, question, there was um, less stress when it came to submitting assignments, more flexibility, um, and you had the same lecture for throughout your degree. It was very interesting, so, you, you know, you, you could, they could see you change and evolve and kind of it was more personal. What I see today, and this is not necessarily the university's fault, there have been significant cuts to education from uh, government and universities are public institutions. So they have to resort to um, supplementing that, that funding from, they do so from research, they do so from international students. Um, and it's a, it's a difficult uh, situation for universities. But for students, it's interesting um, as uh, an, a lecturer, as an academic who's been doing this since uh, probably 2015, um, Every semester and every year, they just become more and more stressed. And it's because the cost of living in Sydney increases, but their pay doesn't necessarily increase. And, they're t and you know, now with, um, you know, you used to be able to pay your hex back, your hex debt back after, uh, you know, once you get a job that pays you 50 something thousand dollars. Now it's gone down to 42. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge impact. Like, imagine if you're... Uh, if that's your income and you have to take care of your family, if you have a, you know, if you're a carer for someone, that is a big uh, tax, you know, kind of to get out of your paycheck. So it's 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 sad and it's hard to see students struggling. It's the sense where, rather than um, committing to an education or ensuring exchange of knowledge, they just uh, are treated like consumers, and uh, it's hard as a as an academic or as a lecturer to shift that paradigm, you know, of course we provide a service, but part of that service should be to cultivate knowledge, to um, challenge and to, you know, kind of provide some sort of critique about society that we live in and students just want to 
not it's not their fault it's how it's the university's kind of structure is just get the grades and get out of there and it's hard but university or tertiary education as a whole isn't supposed to be a walk in the park it's mm. supposed to be challenging not just academically but it's also like the next phase in your life for a lot of people. You're mm. 18, a lot of time you move out of home, mm. you have to deal with being an actual adult. So aren't a lot of those stresses just things that kind of just come with the territory? Yeah, absolutely. The stress out of, you know, just being uh, an adult and needing to work and needing to, you know, leave home or many students now stay at home because they can't afford to leave it. But even if you, you know, kind of need to leave home, work, um, your income isn't increasing in the same way that, uh, you know, kind of your the income is increasing, but your cost of rent is. Um, I think that going to university at 18 is a little bit young personally I yeah. don't know like it's everyone a, needs a gap year <laughs> you, you need to go yeah absolutely take a gap year go traveling figure out what you want to do but it's you know of course it's stressful it's a stressful period of life but it's also a wonderful period of life it's where you get your you know where you meet friends yeah. like you get to sit on the grass you get to argue you get to you know there's so much life happening in those years but because of this increased stress and cost of living and everything um, and demands of, of education, like these demands haven't necessarily changed, but semesters are getting shorter. You don't have much time between assignments to kind of just sit back and relax and take a breath that it's not so much a, a fun period anymore. It's a stressful period. I totally agree. And, you know, I mentioned Germany um, mm. earlier. And yeah. So, you know, it's free for their domestic students and very little money for their international students. Do mm. you think commercialization of universities is a distinctly Australian problem or a American-Australian problem? Well, I mean, in the U.S., it's it's absolutely worse. I mean, here yeah. at least we have, an, you know, a hex system. But in the U.S., education is so expensive. Um, the, the issue there also is... Uh, you know, it kind of locks uh, certain students or certain people out of accessing education. So it privileges the privileged. Um, here in Australia, at least, you can provide opportunities for student from, students from marginalized backgrounds to access higher education. If you have a university degree or bachelor's degree, you are more likely to get a, to be employed. However, in the current job market, you have less jobs to apply for. So for a job, you might one job opportunity, you might have like 40 kind of graduates fighting for that position where, you know, um, five years ago would have been much more accessible to you. So it's it, it, training for the job market, yes, but the job market hasn't expanded to integrate the university graduates. But, but like, where does this commercial model come from? Like, why... What's this push that suddenly happened in Australia? To me, the way I see it is really because of significant funding cuts from government. Um, the fact that universities are portrayed in a lot of the you know popular press as this like elite institutions, um, and uh, you know, government tends to respond to that feedback and you know, kind of cut funding. And so universities have to supplement that funding from other sources, for instance, international students, which pay full fees, very expensive. Um, and so, you know, for many universities, if you have a, a, a semester model, half of the year lecture halls are, you know, they kind of remain empty. So you include another 
another you know a trimester to fill up the the auditoriums and just basically get get more money get students to finish their degrees quicker even though it's just one semester quicker so that you can get more students going through and get mm. more money yeah I, I mean actually I want to mention this briefly I so Shami and I both come from journalism backgrounds mm-hmm. I did a media degree and in my degree a unit was an internship mm. and so I had to pay a unit like I had to pay uh, like what's a mm. unit like seven thousand dollars I had to pay to do a free internship oh, and no. they're like it helps you because it's industry uh, specific and you get that experience but you'll pay I'm paying seven thousand dollars to do it I, I came into university with a very cynical view of everything so Amazing. I actually started out as an accounting cadet so mm. I was working being paid a salary also like a co-op so like you work mm. and then you also killer love it study and they pay for part of it they pay it's like a partial scholarship so Mm. i went in knowing that okay if i study this degree i'll get this job but also i'll get the skills that i need and then i'll get whatever else i need supplementary from work experience i i came in with a very cynical view um but i think you're a very rare breed right like i potentially yeah i just did the degree because i had to do the degree and i was you know i was not very happy about doing this unit but Every single one of us, two hundred people in my degree had to do it. Don't get me started on free, on like unpaid internships. It, I wish this was visual. A- absolutely, <laughs> you're shaking your head. It is I've done a lot of is, free work in my day. No, and and I did too. And it's it's framed as if like you know it's a kind of prestigious kind of. Um, you know, uh, rite of passage that you ha- have to do um, as a as a university student, and I participated in a free, uh, you know, in an unpaid internship with a kind of you know, prestigious kind of institution, and uh, no, and you know, kind of you have you have to work for free, you have to still study, and you have to work your pay job because you still need to pay rent. I pretty much worked for six weeks, like continuously, like I did not have a single day off. It's incredibly difficult, and the way that you kind of this is this is the, the the kind of commercialization of universities, and also how we approach work. I mean, we treat labor as something that you know you can do for free, and you'll get compensated for mm. it in the future. And as an academic, I can tell you, you that might not be the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's stressful. It's hard, and you see students. Um, buckling under this pressure of uh, you know kind of unpaid internships the stress of needing to kind of progress you know and get a job but universities aren't just about training you for a job Um, that's at least my take on it It, you know it's yeah it's about like beautiful like education discussion and thought but you know I feel like is there a way you can balance the two is there a way we can because universities aren't going to function unless they have the money to function you know yeah i think but also you need to service the students and make sure that they're because because they're public institutions they need to be better funded by the government um otherwise you run the risk of having these uh kind of you know personal interests i mean there's been discussion recently the ramsey center for western civilization is now there was some discussion of it moving to Sydney University after um, ANU declined it. So then you need to, then you get private institutions who can come in and, and fund the universities. Um, 
which is really uh, it's 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 alarming. What you see is okay. So a lot of, a lot, a lot of research universities are becoming more research focused, um, and so they separate research and teaching. One of the challenges here is that students don't get to learn from the researchers and. T- educators, teachers, lecturers can't really advance or focus or develop their own personal research. Um, So it it creates this kind of uh, shift um, in the actual uh, education, experience of education. So if we think of universities as providing uh, a vo- you know, kind of opportunity for learning a vocation, to me, the interesting part that I always met, met tell my students is we treat universities as something that we get a vocation out of. But vocation in its you know, Latin etymology is a calling. It's not a job, a profession. It's learning what you're passionate about, what drives you, and you get to do that through a robust dialogue and discourse. It's not just about learning and getting the skills for the job that I will get afterwards. It's actually learning what drives me, where, where, where my fire is. Like, and that's what we tend to forget about universities. And it's sad. I, it is sad. You know what? I love this. And I hope that this dialogue gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's so easy to look at the small issues like Ramsey Center. But yeah. this is part of a bigger problem. So I it love is. this. Thank you for speaking to us. No worries. Thank you for having really me. I appreciate it. it. Oh, thank you. So that was Nama Carlin, a sociologist, writer, and academic, discuss- discussing how students are being affected by the commercialization of universities. Stay tuned because we've got another fantastic interview coming up with Ash Streeter-Jones to chat to us about the lack of female engagement when it comes to Ozpol. And to prepare for that, we are asking the question, if you were to enter politics, what would be your policies? Let us know. 0409-945-945. But now we'll leave you with a song, a total 90s banger. It's called I Am by Killing Heidi. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio. It is absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. So that was just Crooked Colors Flow, and before that was I Am by Killing Heidi, and you're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio with Shami and Swetha. And we've had some technical difficulties. <laughs> you know, it happens. It happens on FBI Radio, but uh, we were going to speak to Astrid Jones, who is the uh, COO and co-founder of Jassery Australia. Unfortunately, we aren't able to reach her, but... We love her work and we're definitely going to speak to her in the future. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I did ask at the top of the show, if you were going to enter into parliament, what would be your policies? And I asked Shaman, you answered me really legitimately. <laughs> I had some cooker answers. Like I was going to be like, you know, I would just make it up. 100% quota for women or something. I love that. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I'm no, not entering I, into that's politics. That's fine. I, I gave a similar answer, but just, you know, worded a bit differently. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to hear uh, what people had to say. Um, we got some texts in. Rupert says, my platform, get rid of negative gearing. I want to own a home one day. Mm. How do you feel about negative gearing? The th- mm. Most of the people who use negative gearing are actually middle-income earners, and so that's the thing. Can I tell you, my father and I, if I'm ever in a room with him and he gets to speak to me, instead of being like, hey, how's your day? He'll be like, Shweta, negative gearing. <laughs> How do we get you to do that? Like, he's obsessed with that policy. Uh, yeah. But like <laughs> that yeah. immigrant father, no, that liberal. No, it's social mobility. It's not even about liberal or labor. It's literally about how do we The migrant ma- dream, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I feel you. <laughs> Someone else texted in. They said, if I was running for politics, I would run on a pro-tax platform. 
Whoa. Changing the conversation to show people that tax isn't just the government taking their cash, but rather a way that we can contribute to achieve things to benefit our society, like roads, hospitals, public broadcasters. That's, it's a lovely They want to pay sentiment. you. No, I'm, I'm ready. Give me the money. I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm so ready. Uh, what um, other text did we get? The, okay, so before we move on, honestly, with... So pro-tax is great, but it's it's a tough one to deal with because, you know, in Scandinavia, yeah. they're very pro-tax, but there's a trust that you have with the government. And I think I agree. in our political climate, it's hard to trust the government for a lot of young people, which is why it's a bit tough. So I think there's another policy or two you'll need before you get to that one, buddy. Agreed. 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 Um, Jess and Alexandra texted in. Climate change is so important. Why is it not more of a priority? I mean, Yeah why isn't it um you know what it it is now i think more than ever especially because young people are getting a bit on board you have plastic bans um in all of the supermarkets obviously some are kind of retracting those uh you have uh the the plastic straws aren't available anymore i don't know about you but every time i go to a bar i get a plastic i get a paper one and which is lovely you you have a you've really built up a really good reputation on this show i'm so glad (laughs) really wholesome it's it's a really good dichotomy (laughs) mom listen in i promise i'm a nice person (laughs) uh i love these texts are fantastic um just one last one before we go Mm. um some texts have been saying my policy would be to use technology to have a to have a continuous live voting mechanism whereby politicians stay in power so long as they are truly representing the constituents' interests. I love that. I love it, but I'm also really scared every single policy is going to be an election platform and it's just going to be just a never-ending election campaign and that is terrifying for me. Mm, Sorry. You know what? That's actually a really good point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to end there. (laughs) Thank you for texting. We really appreciate it. That's all we have for the show. Sorry about the technical difficulties, but we're going to speak to Astrida Jones probably sometime in the future because this oh, problem about youth engagement and female engagement in parliament is not going to go away unfortunately so she's going to come and talk to us hopefully it will go away soon but <laughs> not soon hope. enough for us <laughs> for us to make the content <laughs> uh, big thanks to our guests Nama Cullen and our producers Natalie Sekolovska Cam Wilson and Amelia Zhao and of course oh, thank you to my beautiful guest host Shami oh, uh, you can catch her wonderful work at SBS um, really appreciated having you in on the show uh, thank you thanks for listening to Backchat you can listen into our podcast on the FBS radio website we're gonna leave you with a track i'm not gonna try and pronounce it so i'd love for you to end i the show. will say it it is called mono gear senna it is by a greek uh pop singer called eleni fureira Ooh. um she came second in eurovision this year and i'm a big eurovision fan anyway love it such a good banger you'll enjoy it all right uh stay tuned for that um and we'll catch you all next week